Shalom. I first want to thank Rabbi Gattisman, since he can't thank himself. <laughs> Rabbi Gattisman has been Yeshiv Reish and truly attending to every single detail in this program to see to it that it came out as beautiful, perfect, and it ran as smoothly as it did. I want to thank Rabbi Avi Coleman, our veteran <laughs> of uh, the Shifty events, is with us again this year. The Yarachikala, the Shifty Yarachikala, has been going from Makam Lamakam, it's been Goylam Makam Lamakam, one hotel to the next hotel. But I think we all experience. Like Yaakov Avinu said, The Makam's not important. Wherever it is, you sit down with the Gemara, you can make it a Beis Alekim. I think we feel that over here. I just want to say that what's going on over here makes it reverberates and it has repercussions. I have no question that obviously in the Lama Yainim, the worlds are shuckling together with, with us shuckling on the Gemara. But you should know it goes way beyond that. People you don't know, people you never heard of, Rabbanim in little cities that you never heard about, they know what's going on over here. And everybody takes a tremendous chizuk from it. They take a tremendous chizuk from people dedicating two days for learning be'iyun, being kinda sugya, learning ba'asmada. They take a tremendous chizuk from people taking off work to do that. A tremendous chizik for all the business owners who bring their whole company along with them. The Hamas I don't know if anybody needed a title yesterday, what they did. <laughs> Probably came up with something. And it, it, it has more effects than you can realize. And it's tremendous Kiddushem Shemayim. And it continues on throughout the whole year. Chazak Minis Chazak. We're going to be addressing today the Sugi of Arises and Kablanis on Shabbos, Yantiv, Chalamoid. And the complexity of this Sugi, besides what I'm sure you've already experienced, is how to take the cases that the Gemara talks about and that the Paiskim talk about and use those cases to contrast and apply them to the kind of commercial market we have today. In those days, the nursing home moguls were the people that bought off the tax collection rights from the king. The real estate people were people who owned multiple bathhouses. And so on and so forth. There are different kinds of businesses, different kinds of industries which required having non-Jews work, which weren't a choice. Those industries had to work on Shabbos. And once again, the kind of eterium, the kind of issues that are brought up there, we have to figure out how we can transpose them into the reality that we have today. What's important to realize is that everybody, just about everybody, employs non-Jews on Shabbos. 
you might not realize it. But obviously, if you employ a gardener, and you forget to change his schedule, and he shows up on Yantiv, so you have a non-Jew that's doing work for you on Shabbos, he's a kablan, but he's doing work on your front lawn, do you have to go out and be meicha, to tell him go home? You're not going to get paid. You have any kind of employee or any kind of sub-business that does work for you, you have call centers, you have marketing people working for you, even something like these online work job sites where like Fiverr.com, if you're familiar with that, you pay someone $5, $10 to do various different little jobs for you. So you have someone in India or Pakistan doing some kind of computer work for you. That's a guy doing work for you. And if you do it the wrong way, and they're working for you on Yantiv or Shabbos in a way that's usher, that's a problem. This guy you never met, you never saw, you got him online, that's a guy doing work for you on Shabbos. So just about everybody has some kind of connection to this sukkah. And also, of course, it's important to realize that these sukkahs all apply to Chalamite. One of the primary Maramukhaimis, Kabla Kabbalah's Techatchum, is Chalamite. Chalamai, Baruch Hashem, lately has become more popular. It was out of style for a while. Baruch Hashem, people are much more aware of the issues of working on Chalamai, doing Malach on Chalamai. And whatever you can't do, a guy can't do either. So that's a very important application as well. And it's important to understand the Halachas and to understand the different applications so that you can understand what your business requires, what it entails, how it touches Shabbos, how it touches Yantiv. And it also helps to understand other people's businesses as well. I'm not saying you have to start a crusade after this, but if you know people that have businesses that run on Shabbos or Yantiv, you're only doing a chesed to bring to their attention to make sure that they have a mechir, the mechir is done correctly, it's, it's been updated, it's not like something that was boilerplated 20 years ago, and they have new partners and new, and, and new employees that weren't included. These things have to be kept up to date. And it's difficult. It's difficult to work out these sugyas. It requires very good understanding of the business world and, it and, and requires a very deep understanding of the sugyas. And generally, is the, it's something which was relegated to Gedele Apaiskim, and we tried to see what we can learn from what they said to be able to go forward and apply it to our industries, our modern business world. I want to clarify one thing. I know that Heter Mechir has been taking a lot of hits, <laughs> which is the nature of the thing, but I, I do want to clarify that the Heter Mechir, when you sell a business, should not be cons- compared to the Heter Mechir of Chametz. The Heter Mechir of Chametz is a lot better. It really is. It's very passionate. The Heter Mechir of Chametz, I know many Rabbanim, they have uh, uh, the same guy. They go to year after year, and they sell the chametz. I, for some reason, have not been lucky in that respect. The first year, my guy moved away. The second year, he texts me right before Pesach, he's in Antarctica. <laughs> and uh, every year, I have to sit down with a new guy and explain to them from scratch what we're doing over here. And every year, they start winking at me, and they say, okay, I get it, I get it. Yeah, you, you, uh, you know, your Bible doesn't let you do it, but you want to do it anyway, I get it. And I say, no, 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 you're misunderstanding. 
We really don't want our chametz. We don't want it. And we're not going to touch it and we don't care about it. As far as we're concerned, we want you to have it and you should feel free. I show them in my house where I have my schnapps. Feel free, come and take. And that's really true. We sell our chametz. We don't want to have it. We don't want it. We don't do anything with it. We don't do business with it. We leave it alone. We're fully content with the guy owning it and using it should he want. They should pay for it. But we're very happy with him having it. But when we sell our business, we want our business to continue to run and we want to keep on making profit from it. That is the crux of the problem with the Heter Mechira. And that's kind of like, you know, Target selling their chametz and they continue doing business with chametz over Pesach. Chamesh has a truth about it. But you have to understand it's a very, very significant difference. When you're selling your chametz, at least from your perspective, you really mean it. You really don't want that chametz. So that's why a hetar mechira is a difficult thing. It's, uh, it's a valid halachic perspective. It's a valid halachic concept and it should be done when it needs to be done. But what I want to point out is that I remember my father used to go to the Debrecina Rav and sell his chametz. He would always say, Hasishka can't always drink in far Pesach. So you couldn't drink up your schnapps before Pesach. You had to really sell it. And the same concept applies to, to, to making a mechira a person's business as well. Obviously, if that has to happen, then do it. But just because you have to do that doesn't mean you have to do that for everything. If there's parts of your business that can be structured in a way that doesn't have a problem, don't sell it. Restructure it. Every year when we have the Achikala, people walk out with much more knowledgeable and, and you see the difference, they, they, they make changes. Last year when we were learning ribis, I saw from my own eyes, a guy ran out in the middle of the shear. And he called his partner and he says, don't do the deal. <laughs> we never made a heteriska. And last time when we learned the sugya, the first year of our Yachi Kala, we had, I was still living in Lakewood at the time, and we had follow-up shiurim and the real estate industry, and they restructured their contracts with a lot of their superintendents and their maintenance guys. And yes, there are situations that required mechira, but there are many situations where you can restructure contracts and etc. in ways that you won't run into Shabbos problems. And that's very important to realize. A hatar mechira should be a last resort. Whatever can be done to do a bife and hatar should be done. So we're going to cover as follows. We're going to cover in this year, we're going to try to understand the terminology, number one. It's five terms, Aris, Chiryoim, Kablin, Marasayin, and Kaveh Malachta B'Shabbos. We're going to work through those concepts. We're going to try to understand what's the real problem of a Chiryoim. Why is he public enemy number one when it comes to Hilcha Shabbos? We're going to discuss what about a Chiryoim who does things on his own schedule, which is a very common situation. Chiryoim, you pay him per hour, but he works his own hours. And then we're going to get to our sugi, which we'll be learning today, which is Marasayin, how Marasayin relates to the business world we have, different applications, the different cases of the Gemara, and what's the Machlech Zushayim over here, between Rebbeinu Tam and the Ri and the Ram. So moving on to the concepts. Because we've heard already a number of times, we have to chazer many times so that hopefully we'll remember something. Today's sugya, commercial real estate, hiring, having a guy work for you is its own sugya. 
It's a different sugi than yesterday's sugi of Amir Laakum. Possibly has its own pasuk which answers it. Maybe it's an asmachta. And the concept behind the problem is because adaita di Yisrael. That's the key two words that, that really this whole sugi revolves around. Is it adaita di Yisrael or is it adaita di Nafshe? And we're going to work on this a little later to understand this. But for some reason, when you hire a guy and you're paying him per hour, he's automatically adaita di Yisrael. He's doing it for you. He's not doing it for himself. We're going to try to understand why. We know everybody wants to make some business. Everybody wants to get paid. We're going to talk about that. We'll understand exactly what the chilek is. But that's the problem that we always have to remember. Adaiti di Yisrael is the problem. That's what puts us out of business, so to speak, no pun intended, with a schir yaim. He's adaiti di Yisrael. Whatever he's doing, he's doing for you. Whereas a kablan or an aris is doing it adaiti di Nafshei. He's doing it for himself. So that's the problem. And that's what we're going to have to now go and understand. So your common case of a schir yoim, like we've mentioned already, would be like a secretary or anybody that you pay per hour. What's powerful about a schir yoim is that there's a chiv mecha. And a chiv mecha is, a, is an uncomfortable thing. We associate the chiv mecha with, you know, people throwing rocks at cars and Shabbos. But a chiv mecha is something that you might be obligated to do and it's uncomfortable. You, you have an employee... They're paid per hour, we'll talk about. And they say, okay, you know what, I'm going to take this work home on the weekend. I want to finish it up because I don't want to have to, I want to take off on Monday. Whatever their cheshman is, I want to work on the weekend. And you might have to tell him or her that no, you're not going to get paid if you do this on the weekend. And that's uncomfortable. But that's a chiv mechal. If you know that a schir yoyim is working for you on Shabbos, there's a chiv mechal. If you know that there's an issue of marasayin and you have construction going on and you know they're working on Shabbos, you have to go there and tell the contractor, either you tell your workers to get off the site or you will not be paid. And that's what the Torah obligates us. So that's important to understand. That's what's so, so powerful about this chiv of I was asked an interesting Shiloh once. There was a yeshiva that was in a community outside of Lakewood. Uh, it's no longer there. It was there. And the Rabbeim lived in the community. But that was it. That was about the extent of the Jews. In the, I mean, there were Jews there in the community, but that was the extent of the, of the Frum Jews in the community. There was a yeshiva and the Rabbeim. So one of the Rabbeim was in the process of moving there. He lived in Lakewood, and his house was being built and renovated so that he could move into this little community. So he was in Lakewood for Shabbos at home. And one of the other Rabbeim who already lived there comes home after davening Friday night, and he sees that the workers are still working on this guy's house, his chaver. He's working on his house Friday night, working Shalai Kedin, Marasayin. Does he have a chiv mucha? Does What do you think? Does it make sense? You should go be Micha on his behalf. Are you obligated to do that? He could tell them they're not going to get paid. He could tell them they were told, he was told, he could say, I was told by the, the owner that you won't get paid. You could, you could get them to stop. Very, very uncomfortable thing to do. I, mean, I agree. 
You don't even know them? You have no relationship with them? So what? So it's not going to help, you say. It doesn't pass the chiyu, you say. Okay. The Seder. So let's take this a step further. And now we can concentrate on how difficult it is or how important it is to understand exactly what is this Chiryam and what isn't. So let's say you contract, you retain a non-Jewish lawyer, right? I know, why would anybody do that? But for some reason, you retain a non-Jewish lawyer and he bills you per hour, right? If he even thinks about you, he bills you. And he tells you that he's going to work on this over the weekend. So he's billing you per hour. So do you have to now tell, uh, you know, Mr. DiMaggio, please don't work on the weekend for me or I won't pay you? But will he even listen to you? Is that Kablanus or is that that Skiriyayim? What do you think he is? You're paying him per hour. He's billing per hour. What is this guy? Shabbos. Yantu. Yeah. So this is a good example. It's not so pashut. It's not so pashut. It really depends on what kind of agreement you have with the lawyer. Certain lawyers might takabi, askir yain. They get paid per hour regardless of what happens, regardless of the outcome. Other times a lawyer will be a kablan because his getting paid is contingent on him accomplishing a certain uh, task for you. He has to get the contract done or he's not going to get paid. He has to represent you in court or he won't get paid. He doesn't have to win the case, but he has to represent you. So there are situations where a lawyer might be a kablan because it will be based around his job. His payment will be dependent, contingent on the job getting complete, uh, completed, but it's not always like that. Sometimes they just, they're doing work. You know, it's like when you have a, a company employee, a lawyer that works in a, uh, in a commercial setting, works for a business, and he gets, can we get paid by hour, per hour? Now, there's another aspect to the question of what we consider a schir when the guy has a yearly salary, how do we look at that? I'm not going to address that. I hope Rabbi Roth will address that. That's already, also, that's advanced discussion of who's a schir and who's a kabbal. That's, but it's something to realize. It's not such a clear dividing line. Being paid per hour doesn't necessarily make you into a, uh, into a schir Sometimes you can be a kabbal. Now, a kablan, as we know, is called a daita de nafsheh. And it's important to realize that Chazal had a very radical view of a kablan. The lumbus of a kablan in the eyes of Chazal are that the kablan is doing his work and then selling his work to you. That's how Chazal looks at a kablan. When you pay someone for a job and his payment is contingent on the completed job, so he has to, a mechanic, right, a classic case. A mechanic, you bring in your car and he has to change your oil for you or he has to change your transmission for you. Right? He's charging you $2,000 to change the transmission. So Chazal look at it like this. He does $2,000 of work, he changes the transmission, and then he sells that work for you, to you for $2,000. That's why it's a day to the It's almost like he's building a bookcase and selling you the bookcase. That's how Chazal looked at it. It's best, you know, like a, a quasi... Case is like when you hire a programmer to write an app. So he's finishing the app and you're paying for the app. Provided it works. 
you're paying, you're paying for the app. That's how Chazal looked at a Kabbalah. That's why it's a Daita de Nafsheh. And we'll talk a little bit later to understand why it is that a Tzchiriyam is not a Daita de Nafsheh. The Daita de Yisrael. So that's a Kabbalah. Kabbalah is definitely easy to understand. Many forms of an employees we have are Kabbalah on them. They're paid per job for a set amount. And then the last kind of, ca- of employee, which we see in our circuit, is an RS. An RS is someone who works on commission, gets a percent, and he gets some chalik of the revenue that he is creating in his work. An RS is a very useful hetter. It's a very useful thing to apply, if it can be applied, to utilize in order that your employees should be considered a resim if you give them a certain bonus, if you give them a certain percent, if you can restructure. Their, employ, their, their contract or the way they work on Shabbos so that they should be a Aurus for Shabbos, many times you will benefit greatly in this sugya because an Aurus is, is mutter. An Aurus is the most lenient form of employee, of, of employee in halacha. Some paiskim, as Rabbi Kushner mentioned before, even allow kevea malachta. You can even tell them to work on Shabbos according to Rabbi Nezer. And the most common application of Arisus nowadays are salesmen, who get a commission from each sale, uh, real estate uh, agents and brokers, all those kind of people who work based on commission, commission-based jobs, are all examples of Arisim. And again, if it can be applied to a regular employee, it will change the nature of what he is and make it a lot easier to have him work on shops. So step one, anytime you're, apo- you're approaching this sugi, step one, is identify the employee. That's step one. Identify the employee. Is he a schir Is he a kablin? Or is he an ours? Now we move on to step two. Step two is identify the situation. So there's two parts of the situation that need to be identified. One is kaveh malachtai. And one is marasai. Kaveh malachtai means you're requiring him to work on Shabbos. That's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. No matter what kind of employee he is, if you require him to work on Shabbos, that's a problem. That's called Kevea Malachta B'Shabbos. It's its own kind of problem. It has its own heterim. And I won't be going into it too much. Hopefully Rabbi Roth will be dealing with that more. But what's important to understand is to give you a classic case. You bring in your clothing to the cleaners. The cleaners are working for you now. They're your kablonim. They're washing your clothing for you. They're cleaning your clothing for you. No problem, a kablon, he's doing it on his own property, he's doing his own work. No, no problem with that. But if you bring it in Friday, right before this man, and you tell him, I need it, I, I, I need it ready, much of Shabbos, let's say on these early Shabbosim, right? They're open to 6 o'clock, and you bring it in right before Shabbos, and you tell them, I need it ready, much of Shabbos, I'm taking a flight, and they say, no problem. So obviously they're going to have to clean it on Shabbos. You're a kaveh malach, tabiyah, Shabbos, and that's not allowed. So that's Kaveh Malachta. Kaveh Malachta could always be a problem. And it's very relevant, Kaveh Malachta. It's very relevant, like what I was saying before. You can hire someone in Pakistan to write a program for you. You can hire them in Pakistan to do graphic design for you. But you give them the job right before Yantav and you tell them it has to be ready, Matzi Yantav, that's not okay. Does it make a difference what kind of Malachta you're Well, it's got to be Malachta. I mean. No, that doesn't make a difference. Now, to get to that, it's also important to understand is that this works in halacha with normal business practice, with business norms. Meaning, 
Let's say you give it to him, a job that takes 10, 12 hours to do, and you give him the job Thursday night, late at night, so obviously, yeah, he could work through the night, and then he won't have to work on Shabbos, but that's not considered a business norm. People don't work through the night. So they, you can't utilize that to say that as I'm not a Kabeel who have to be a Meshavas. I gave him the option of working through the night. That doesn't work. It has to be something which is a normal business practice. <clears throat> One very common application of Kabeel Malachta that everybody runs into is shipping. You do overnight shipping and you want to deliver it on Shabbos. That's a Kabeel Malachta. You do two day shipping and it's going to be on Yantim, on Shabbos. That's a problem of Kabeel Malachta. You can look in Rabbi Kushner's book. By two day shipping, there's a hatter there from Rabbi Miller. And one interesting thing to know about Kaveya Malaftai is that it applies even where the person isn't your employee at all. For example, you manufacture something, right? So you have people in China, Alibaba, people are manufacturing things for you. And you give them an order. You know it takes them five days to produce. And you want it to be ready the day after Yantiv. So you give it to them, Erev Sukkot, you give them the order, you say, have this ready for delivery. Right after on Isru Chag. So they're manufacturing it and then they're selling it to you, right? They're working, they're not even your employee at all. They're manufacturing something which you buy. You're buying the end product. But being that you're Kaveh Malachta, Be'em Shabbos, that can also possibly have a problem. Again, it needs something that needs to be discussed, but you have to realize Kaveh Malachta is a very far-reaching problem. Anytime you're going to force a guy to do work for you on Shabbos, even if he's his own guy, you're going to have to Refer back to the sugya if it's a problem or not. I'm sorry? Time zones can play a role. Usually works against us. Just tell you this. <laughs> They're a club. Sorry? That will... Have a rough domain. Okay. Let's move on to Marasayan. Marasayan is the next thing a person has to identify about the situation. Step two, identify if there's a problem of Marasayan. Marasayan is, is, a, is a significant problem. And soon we'll get to it and we'll take apart all the Marasayan in our sugya. Sugya has a Merchatz Marasayan, it has a Sodom Marasayan, it has a Bias Marasayan. And each one of these have to be understood and understand how we apply it. But when there's a Marasayan problem, it's a problem even by a Kablan. I mean, the Gemara has a problem even if you rented out your whole business. The Gemara has a problem with Marasayan. Marasayan is a very all-inclusive problem. When it's a problem, it's a very big problem. And there are many different applications of Marasayan where Marasayan could be a problem. If you have an agent selling your own home, your own home, you have a nice house somewhere, Okay, I presume you live in a Jewish community, probably not going to be selling it to a guy, so there's no reason why you should be open on Shabbos, but let's say you have a house somewhere else, not in such a Jewish community, it's a country house, or you live in a community that has many goyim in it, and you have a non-Jewish broker, and he wants to do an open house on Shabbos. So he's an open house in your house, you're not there anymore. Can he do an open house on Shabbos? Is that a Marisayan problem? Sounds like a Marisayan problem to me. What's Dr. Barisus? It's Dr. right? What's the malacha? There could be malachas involved. If he sits down and signs something with people. <laughs> if he signs a contract with someone. That's a good point. There's definitely Vidabra Dabra involved. There's Vidabra Dabra. 
How about another case? Let me give you this case. What do you think about this? This is a very common situation. You have a... You have a... You know, you have a 20 computers, 30 computers in your business. And you don't have an IT, IT department. You contract it out. You have a geek squad that takes care of all your IT needs, right? All your computers need to be updated. All your computers need to be updated. It takes a couple hours to get that done, right? So you have this geek squad. You, you call them in and you say, you know, come in and do it. So you don't do it while everybody's working. So you want it done on Sunday. They say, listen, Sunday we have another job. We'd be very happy to do it for you on Saturday. So you're going to have a whole troop of 20 IT guys coming into your business, your office, and updating all your computers in Shabbos. They're doing it totally. They're kablonim. They wanted to say, they chose the day. You gave them the option of doing it on Sunday. They say, no, we want to do it on Shabbos. Can you do that? Or is that Marasayim? You have a troop of people walking into your business and turning on the lights and running all the computers in Shabbos. Does the sign work? It's a very simple solution to Mara's sign. Chazal were in some, you know, Mara Bar sees the sign. You think he could do that? What? <coughs> remotely the same thing? Right, so remotely usually is not a Mara's sign. Remotely is they're, they're, not, they're not visible. But if they're coming in and doing it, that's, that's a, uh, that's, there you have a considerable Mara's sign issue. Interestingly, Marasayin really extends beyond that. For example, you have a, uh, you have a, a van. Libby's Kegel and Pickles. And it needs maintenance, right? So Libby's Kegel and Pickles van is sitting on the corner. I remember when I lived in Los Angeles, there were two huge body shops on the corner of the shul and the kailo. So you have the Libby's van being worked on on Shabbos. Very clearly Jewish-owned van. And the Kablin is doing work. He's 100% the Kablin. But he's doing a work on something which is clearly identifiable as a Jewish, a, a Jewish item. Now this is a case discussed in Shulchan Aruch. They talk about when you give your clothing to a... You give your clothing to a, uh, a guy to wash. And the guy chooses to wash it on Shabbos. But the problem is the clothing is very Jewish clothing. It's a Bekatsha. Everybody knows it's Jewish clothing. And they're washing Jewish clothing on Shabbos. And it's a Machlech is a Paiskim if that's okay. Even though everybody knows they're Kablanim. But there's Marasayim. People think you gave it to them on Shabbos. That interestingly comes up more that sometimes employees take home the van. You have Goyesh employees and they take home the van. So they're driving around with Chaim Yankel's plumbing service on Shabbos. Is that okay? So Marasayim has a lot of different applications and can make a lot of trouble. What's important to know about Marasayin, which we'll talk about, is if Marasayin, obviously, if it's Chuslot Chum, if there's no Jews around, so then that's a solution for Marasayin that doesn't help on Chalamayin. But we're going to have to discuss how exactly we apply Tchumen nowadays. And also we're going to talk about when everybody knows what's going on because the way the industry works today, everybody does our Kablonim, so there's no chance of anybody making a mistake. We're going to have to address that as well. This is what we're going to have to talk about as far as Marasayin is concerned. But again, whenever you're approaching a Shaila, step two is identify the situation. Is this a situation of Kaveh Malachta B'Shabbos? And is this a situation of Marasayin? Now here's another thing. And this is step three. This, is no, this wasn't in the Marasayin. This should be the first you're hearing about. I mean, hopefully you heard about this before. And this is known as the Mahariya Buav. The Mahariya Buav was a... 
halfway Rishon, halfway Akron, quoted by the Beis Yosef. And he comes up with a new problem. Very interesting problem. He says there are situations where a Kablan can be turned into a Schiriyan. What's his case? His case is the case of the, our Merchatz case. You have a bathhouse. Now the way the employee setup worked over there was that the guy got paid to come and to, serve, to, to run the Merchatz. However, it depended if there were customers. If there were no customers, then he sat around, did nothing, he played cards. If there were customers, they fired it up, and he heated up the water, and he got it running. So he got his paycheck no matter what. He got his paycheck for coming in. Got his $300 for coming in for that day. That, no matter what, he got his $300. If there were customers, he did work. If there's no customers, he was Yashiv Bottle. So Maria Buaf says there's a very ser- serious problem there. Because now it turns out that whatever work he's doing, he's not doing for his own benefit. Even though he's a Kablan, he's doing it for your benefit. Why? Because he's getting his money no matter what. He gets his money just by showing up. He's already gotten his paycheck. And now when customers come, that's being done solely for your benefit. He's not making any extra money off that. Let's think of it in a modern day application. You have a contract. You have a contract with, an IT, with IT guys. Maintenance. They have a contract with them. They get paid a fixed amount every month. So they get paid whatever it is that you pay for your IT service. You pay them $2,000, $3,000 a month. Snow removal, removal service. All the developments or big commercial buildings have snow removal contracts. And you pay them a monthly fee for snow removal. Assuming, again, you don't pay them for individual snow removals, you pay them a monthly fee. So they're getting their money simply by being available. They're going to get their $2,000 no matter what. As long as the month passes, they get that money. If there's something for them to do, they do. If there's nothing for them to do, then they don't. If snow falls, they clear it. If there's an IT problem, then they take care of it. So here, even if they're working remotely, and they're working mitzinah, and your place is in Wichita, Kansas. There's no Marasayan issue. And you have a snowfalls, or you have an IT problem, and they want to address the problem. They're not making a dime from the work that they're doing. They already got their $2,000 for the month. They're only working for you. They're only working to benefit you. That's the Maria Buah. They turned into a Shiryayim. And you can't let them do the work. That's the sheet of Maria Boab. So I understand, I just want to make sure you understand clearly. It's a fascinating concept. Hundred percent true, but let's say that's not the situation. <laughs> right? When snow falls, they probably in your contract it says when do they have to get rid of it? They have to get rid of it within uh, you know twenty four hours, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. You want your business. To be open, right? You have a nursing home in, in, in wherever and you want the snow gone, right? So, they have to do it on Shabbos. You have service, service agreements with people, right? You have service agreements with IT. They have to get rid of it. They have to take care of the problem within a, a certain amount of time. And that time falls out on Shabbos and it has to get done before the end of Shabbos. Now, just to contrast, to understand, you know, I, my computer broke last year. It was a matzah of pikuch nefesh. And, and uh, there were no, where I lived, there were no Jewish IT guys. So I went to Best Buy. 
Bad idea. And uh, you have, they didn't fix my computer, but they charged me for a service agreement, $200, that they'll fix it for the next year, whenever I should choose to use their service. And then I gave them my computer to be fixed, right? So at this point, whenever I bring in my computer, they're not making an extra dollar from me. They're not making a, a single dollar from me, they're just fixing it because of the service agreement. I already paid for the whole year of service, $200. Whatever work they do now, they're doing just for me. So if I give it in right before Shabbos, now, they, they don't guarantee you anything. You, know, you can wait for your computer for two weeks. So, it's not a, so that's why it's not a problem. But if you were to have that agreement with them, that they have to do it on Shabbos, there's no hatha for that. So even though you're giving in your computer, they're working on it in Best Buy, they're doing their thing, you can't do that. Because they are doing the work only for your benefit. And a Maria Buap. That's the problem of the Maria Buap. So step three always is to identify who's making the money here. Who's making money from this work? If the Goyim are not making money from this work because they made their money already, you have a Maria Bua problem. Sorry? Yeah, they have to work, obviously. They said that's what they signed. That's why they're getting paid to begin with. But they get, they get their money even if they don't work. That's the point. They can, the, the, whether work, there isn't necessarily going to be work. They definitely have an interest. That's why you could possibly disagree with the Maria Buav. They have, they have benefit from it. But the, the, the key to understanding the Maria Buav is that they got paid simply to show up. They're going to get their paycheck just by providing the service, by being available. That's what makes it a Maria Buav case. And then whatever work they do is ready for your benefit, according to Maria Buav. If you are Machai of them and a Khanami. But let's say you weren't. Let's say you weren't Machai of them. So that you have, that's, I didn't want to get too involved in that, but yes, that you have to know. I mean, if there is Kiryan. Let's take some more commands. There's no problem, problem. There's still a problem. It's Kiryan. Funny case just came up. It's interesting whether you can apply this to Maria Buav. My brother in law was coming from Canada and he got a speeding ticket right over the border. Got a speeding ticket right over the border. And uh, he had passed a police car that was in the shoulder and he didn't change lanes. So you give him six points and he has to do a court appearance. He has to show up. He's not interested in showing up. He has to drive seven hours to show up to have to pay the ticket. So he hired a lawyer to represent him. And the lawyer charged him a flat fee, $300 to represent him. And now the court appearance, that's not actually what happened because of course he hired a Jewish lawyer. But if he would have hired a non-Jewish lawyer and the court appearance turns out to be on Shabbos Riyantiv. Now, the guy could reschedule it, but he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't care. He doesn't want to reschedule it. Is that a Maria Buav case? You're paying him $300 to show up no matter what. But whatever malachi he has to do next is only to benefit you. You think that's a Maria Buav case or not? So let's understand what's going on over here. Think about it for a second. But he is. Right now, he's going to be doing it on Shabbos. That's when the court appearance is. He didn't change the date. He's signing documents. He's signing documents for you as the Dabra Dover. Lawyers are not allowed to work on Shabbos. That's a given. Do you understand what the chilek is? 
That's why I'm bringing this up. So, it's important to understand that you have to be able to divide the two things. You can't always divide the showing up from the work. Sometimes the showing up and the work is high new half. Right? He's not saying we're paying pay $300 to show up, uh, but you can sit and do nothing. It's, it's not really separable. That's why this Maria Buov is really only applicable when you have these kind of service agreements. Where by definition, it's like an insurance kind of contract where they have to service you if you have a problem, but by definition, if not, there's no problem, they don't do anything. You're paying for the, the insurance more than you're paying for anything else. That's what's important to understand about the Maria Buab. You'll only have the Maria Buab as a problem when that's the nature of the contract you have, that it's more of an insurance kind of contract than anything else. Right. Well, that's the same. In other words, that, that makes them available. Correct. Could all of that, definitely. Well, certainly. Yeah, that can definitely be a problem. That's why it could be, it, it ends up being a big problem in the real estate industry. I mean, any industry, really, that employs uh, maintenance companies or IT companies, all these examples. Uh, but maintenance is a big deal, you know, in, uh, in real estate where, where, where things break on Shabbos and they have to be tended to on Shabbos. Very hard to structure any kind of contract that won't run into one of these problems. You'll either be a Kaveh Malachtai or you'll be a Maruni Abuav. It's very difficult to, con- to construct the contra- contract when you're know, dealing with emergency situations that you shouldn't run into this problem. It could, yeah, if there's money to be made. Like in the case of the snow removal, let's say they would charge you besides the service contract, they would charge you per snow removal, that's great. Right? Then they're making money from each snow removal. That's not a Maria Buov anymore. So that's a, a way to get out of that problem. Okay. Those are all cons, you know. That's a possibility. It depends where it is. Fine. So, again, there's three steps. This is what you have to do. Step one, you have to identify the employee. Step two, you have to identify the situation. Is it Kaveh Malachtai? Is it... Is it um, Marasayin? And step three, who is really making the money here? Is the guy making money or is it only you that's benefiting? Those are the three steps. Now let's move on and try to understand what exactly is the problem with the Schiriyayim. Schiriyayim, as we said, he's public enemy number one. Why? Because he's your shliach, he's a daita di Yisrael. So there's two ways to understand this. And the difference between the two ways is very important because it makes a very, very big nafkamina. The Prima Godim asks this question. Prima Godim says, Why would a Skir Yaim, guy you're paying per hour, call to be, a call, be called a Daita de Nafshei? He's working for money. It's like everybody else. Why is that called a Daita de Nafshei? The Lushan of the Prima Godim is, Schar Malacha Matsuihu, Lavoid Velikach Schar. Schar Malacha Matsuihu. You can always get a job. Lavoid Velikach Schar. This is what I think he means. He's looking at every Skir Yaim, every guy as like this robot, this working machine. The guy's gonna work no matter what. He's gonna go to Home Depot and he's gonna get himself a job. He's a machine, he's working. That's what he's doing. And you're taking him and paying him to work for you on Shabbos. So the fact that he's working, the fact that he's gonna get money for work, that's happening anyway. Someone is gonna pay him to work and that work is gonna happen no matter what. You should look at him like a perpetual motion machine. 
that he's doing that work. Work is going to happen and he's going to get his money per hour for his work. He's getting his $12 an hour. Either he'll get it in Home Depot working for John or he's going to get it in Home Depot working for Chaim. So when you take him and you take this working guy and you put him to your employee on Shabbos, that's just a day to be Yisrael. Who he works for, why he's working on Shabbos, is considered only a day to be Yisrael. The fact that he's working for money, that would have happened anyway. That would happen for anybody. That's the way the Prima Gaudim looks at it. We look at the guy like a working machine, you take him, the fact that you're putting him to work on Shabbos is a day to be Yisrael. That is make, that's what makes him a day to be Yisrael. Whereas, as I explained before, by a Kablan, Chazal look at it like the guy's creating work and selling it to you. So he's never working for you. He's always working for himself. He's creating work. You pay him for the job, for the finished job. You're buying a product from him, except it's not a physical product. It's a work product. That's one way to understand. Another way to understand, which was where Rabbi Kushner touched on today, is that, and you see this actually reflected in a number of other places in Halacha, in Skiris Pailim, that a Skir Yoim is really an Ebed. Skir Yoim is an Ebed. You bought someone and you pay money to him for his time, you bought him. An Ebed, you own him forever. And a Skir Yoim, you rented him per day. It's a rent and Ebed service. That's what it is. You're paying for his time, now his time is yours. And the same way you understand when you have a slave, his time belongs to you and you can tell him to do whatever you want. When you hire a Skir Yoim, you pay him the $10 per hour, that hour is now yours. But now whatever he's doing, he's doing for you. Now there's the money you paid was to buy him. He's not working for the money. You bought him for that money. He sold you an hour of his time for the money. He's your Ebed now. And that's most likely why if there's any time in the world that there should be an Isser Doi Raisa, and why the, why the, the Rav Shulchanar says there's no heter of Shvus to Shvus, is because it's like Lamanya Noach Abdecha. He belongs to you. Belongs to you temporarily. He can't work for you on Shabbos. Once you pay for him, he's yours. Whatever work he's doing, he's doing for you. Yeah, obviously, you know. So he's not, he's a limited Evan. There's a shear in his Abdus. You know, but that, that's because you didn't buy him. You no, know, that, and, that, and the truth is, it could actually make a difference in Kabbalahness. So I don't want to get into that. But, but Kabshutai, that's the concept. So let's, let's just hear the two concepts because there's a very significant nafkamina between them. The first concept is you look at him like a working machine and the problem is that you took him and made him work on Shabbos. And the other problem is that no, the thing is you bought his time, he's your slave now. His time belongs to you and whatever you tell him to do, whatever work he does is a day to Yisrael is strictly for you. What's the difference? The difference is very passionate. The difference is, is what about a schir yoim that you didn't tell to work on Shabbos? Askir Yaim, that he's working by his own volition on Shabbos or on week. He calls his own hours. You have a Askir Yaim, you have a secretary, you assign her a job on Monday. And she schleps about, she's playing on her computer, she's playing on Facebook or whatever it is that she's playing on. And then Thursday she wakes up and says, Oh my gosh, I didn't get the work done. Boss, I'm going to do it on Saturday. I said, Look, I gave you the whole week to do the job. You want to do it on Saturday? You know, be my guest. She's a schirya, you're paying her per hour. She's choosing her own hours. You're not making her work on Shabbos. You're not, pay, pay, you're not specifying hours of Shabbos. So if the problem is, the whole problem of a schirya is that you're taking a working machine and making her work on Shabbos, you're not doing that. You're taking a working machine, you say, you have a whole week to work. You want to work on Shabbos? That's not a night to Yisrael. 
But if the problem is you bought the time, and now whatever work that gets done is being done solely for you, it doesn't make any difference. There's an hour on Shabbos, you pay $12 for that hour, now you have an Ebed for that hour, whatever work is done during that hour is going to be adapted to Yisrael. Even though you know. Knowing doesn't make a difference. No, it makes it worse, right? <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not going to change it either way. But if she's on a salary and, and she's getting the same amount of money either way, isn't that more like a cobbler? A yearly salary, maybe Roth will talk about. Let's, let's keep it simple, right? I'll have to discuss whether a really, yearly salary might change things, might not. Let's look at the yearly salary exactly the same thing. You just, it's just a sum total of nine hours, per, eight hours per day times the amount. It's just, this is a regular daily. The really, no, so she needs to put out 40 hours a week. So she did 38, and there's two hours she still needs to do. She wants to do that on Shabbos. You pay, you're buying those two hours of Shabbos. She's your Evid for two hours on Shabbos. If she does work, it's, for, it's just for you. The time is yours. Same thing. I'm sorry? Why does that make a difference? 100%. I'm talking about someone who decided on their own volition, you did not tell them to work, you just gave them a project, they have to finish it. They want to finish it on Shabbos, they want to take off on Monday. I don't care what their cheshbon is, but they're working for you, on Shabbos, but they chose to work on Shabbos. That's going to be telling you to start. Now, this is a machlaikas. The Mishnah was quoted before. Mishnah lashon is... Vidah, this is in Simon Rashnam Bay, Sivkat in your test, Vidah, I'm sorry, Sivkat in Khavgimel, Vidah Dem Haya Aini Yehudi Skiryaim Eslabi Meachal, you had an Aini Yehudi who was a Skiryaim during the weekday, but he writes an Atta, and he wants now Gamkain, Lasses Malachta Bibesa in his own house, Bitsina, Sarah Leila Vulimchas Biyada, Kivin Shinoi Deloy, you have to go and prevent him as soon as you find out, Abishaina Silfana, even though he's not doing it in front of you. So Mishabura holds it doesn't make a difference if you told him to work on Shabbos. He chose from his own volition. He's a Shir Yoim. He's working on Shabbos. You have to stop him. However, the Shevet HaLevi and Arthur Shabbos, they say it's Mutter. And it's highly surprising that they do not quote the Mishabura. Very surprising. And they don't, the Rav Shulchanan talks about it. They don't quote that either. My Mordechai talks about it. They don't quote that either. But they have a Raya. They have a Raya from a Sifat Shulchan Aram that it should be Mutter. The Seven Shulchan Aruch is talking about the ancient postman where you paid him a fixed amount of money to deliver the letter, that's a Kablan. But then the, the Sif Gimel, Sim Reish Manzayin Sif Gimel, it has a case where you pay him per day. However long it takes him to get to deliver your letter, if he gets stopped by bandits, no matter whatever happens, it takes him 10 days, 20 days, you pay him per day. He has a daily salary to continue bringing your letter, to deliver it to its place, and it's Mavur that it's mutter for him to work on Shabbos. He chooses, he can, you know, he can not work on Shabbos, he can not travel on Shabbos, up to him. You don't give him a deadline when he has to get there. But if he travels on Shabbos, you pay him. And it's before Shulchan that that's okay. So here you have a skir yoyim, you're paying this guy per day to deliver your letters, working on Shabbos. So they're asking a kash on a Mishnah Brura, they don't say they are, but they're asking a kash on a Mishnah Brura from an Afana Mechabra. That's never good. That's never good. So you have to come up with an answer. But... Everybody can think of an answer on their own. There's different ways to think about this. But I want to bring two rayas from the sukkah we learned today. Two possible rayas. Raya number one. The Gemara says that what's the problem? Why is it mutter to have your oris work on your sada on Shabbos? 
Why are you allowed to have your shear cropper? Who takes a percent? Why is he allowed to work on your field on Shabbos? Because Darke Barisus. It's Darke Barisus. The Derek is to do it as a shear cropper. Now, what would it be if it's not Darke Barisus? It would be Usr. Why would it be Usr? Because people will think he's a Shiryayim. Do you tell someone who you hire to work your field, do you tell him when to work? Rishayim seems to say you don't. Maria Buhav certainly says you don't. Maria Buhav says, yeah, whatever it is, you know, he plows when he plows, and he waters the field when he waters the field, and he, he, he chooses, to, he, he just has to get something done by the end of the year. He has to just get it done, and if you pay him per hour, you pay him per hour. But it's, his hours are defined by the work. He doesn't necessarily have to work on Shabbos. It's up to him. So this Chiryayim, Kipshuta, that the Gemara is talking about is this Chiryayim who calls his own hours. And the Gemara clearly is saying that would be a problem. So maybe it could be Madcha. What do you think? You think it's Muchach or not from the Gemara? This Chiryayim was working on a Sada. Maybe. Maybe. Mary Abu, Mary Abu seems to make an assumption that that's the way it works on a Sada. What? You can't bring a rhyme with the Gemara and say what would be by Eskhiyah. We don't know. Yeah, okay. If he has an incentive to work better or more, he's going to get a bigger percentage. Okay, true. But Eskhiyah necessarily won't do that. Okay, so maybe it's not such a rhyme from the Gemara. Another diik. There's an interesting diik. Tysus seems to say, I don't know if you saw the Tysus, but the Tysus has an interesting language. Tysus says, when there's a Maris Ayan issue, he says the Marasai problem is the doyma kemisha Yisrael that Sabalei lasses this Shabbos. Tais seems to say that the problem is we're worried it's going to look like you commanded him on Shabbos to work, not that you commanded him on Monday to work on Shabbos. You went on Shabbos and told him to work. That's why Tais says that's the Marasai, and that's funny. Why does Tais need to say that that's the Marasai? Tais just say it's Chiriyim. Marasai is people think he's a Chiriyim. Tais doesn't seem that doesn't seem to be enough for Tais. Tay seems to be seems to want that you actually told him to work on Shabbos. That's why it's a problem, and that would make sense if I'm right. That the schiris yoyim that we're talking about is not the kind of schiris yoyim that has to work on Shabbos. He has just a, you know field has to get plowed. Whenever he does it, he does it, and he charges you per hour. So that's why Tay says no. The problem is people will think you told him to work on Shabbos. So you can look at Tay You can see if that's a right also. So it's possible to you come from our circuit. Lemai says a machloek is a chreinim. To call, got Lamais over here. Lamais is a machloek zachreinim, and the Mishabura says it's Asr, The Rav Shachanar says it's Asr, and the Shevet Alevi, even though he's matter, he doesn't quote the Mishabura. So that puts us in a difficult situation. It's hard to know how could he not quote a Mishabura that says it's Asr if he's coming to be matter. The Swara is it should remain Asr. There's uh, there's ways to answer up his raya. Obviously, you can't bring a raya from a mafurish or machaber in the middle of the sugi that the Mishabura is holding to say negative the Mishabura. So, we're not on that. So even as even as that doesn't have special hours, is is also. Let's go on to Marasain. So to understand Marasain, we have three cases. First case of the Gemara is Merchatz. Second case of the Gemara is Sada. Last case of the Gemara is Binyan. Last Mechuber. Merchatz. Is where you have Leibis Merchitz, Chaim's Merchitz, and you rented it out to a guy. 
That's classic Marisai. And the problem is, is that everybody is assuming that you are the one who's running this merches, and they're right for assuming that, because that's typically the way it is. It's not so usual to rent out your merches. So you have emblazoned your name on the storefront, and there's a guy working there, and the assumption is, if a guy's working there, he's a schir yom, because what else would a guy be doing in your merches on Shabbos? So that's the Marisayan problem. And this is a very classic Marisayan and it's important to understand it's a Marisayan where people are making a mistake that's a very justified mistake. And this would apply any time that you have a business and you allow non-Jewish employees to come in. Non-Jewish employees say they want to come in, they want to finish some work on Shabbos. They're kablanim, they're not tzchireyayim. You didn't make them work on Shabbos. It just works for them. They want to finish off their work. They're, they're in the middle of something they want to finish off. They want to come in to your business, turn on the lights, and work on the computer on Shabbos. They have access. Are you allowed to let them do that? So it depends if there's a Marisayan problem. So if your business is nowhere, then fine. But if you're on 2nd Street in Lexington, that's where your office building is, and your non-Jewish employee wants to come in and turns on, turn on lights and run the computer, that's merchatz. That's the case of Merchatz. That where for all intents and purposes, people know this is a Jewish business, and now he has a Jewish business running on Shabbos. The second case of the Gemara is Sada. What fact is that we mean that on a short Friday, not only do you have to leave, you have to throw out all the guys. 100%. Yeah. I mean, you know, the base assumption here is that Jews don't run their businesses on Shabbos. Unless they have to. But... We, we, we shut it down, 100%. Second case is Sada. Sada, the Gemara is a case of Heter. Why is it Heter? Because it's Darkoi Barisis, which means the typical way of employment on a Sada is something which can be done on Shabbos. An Aris, a sharecropper, a guy who gets a percent. What's a classic case of a Sada nowadays? A classic case is a business where the employees almost always get percentages. We talked about real estate agent, broker, salesman. So if they're doing work, everybody knows they get paid, they get a commission, they get a percent. There is almost no other structure to that kind of business. It can be very again in real estate when you have a leasing office and your leasing agents, again, if that's the norm, they show apartments on Shabbos, they want to show apartments on Shabbos. That's when the, most of the people come. People are available. So that's Darka Barisas. That's a case where everybody knows these people get a percent. And therefore will be mutter. That's Sada. The last case is Binyan. Belachas Mechubar. And that's a Machlaik is Yishayim. Belachas Mechubar is a case where both possibilities are equally possible. It's normal to do Kablanis. It's normal to do schiris. It's normal to do it by Fenhater, but it's just as normal to do it by Fenisser. And that's a machlaik is Rabbeinu Tam and the other Rishayna. Rabbeinu Tam holds his mutter. Not clear why he holds his mutter, but my hunch is that the reason why he holds his mutter is because he holds that the only time there's a problem with Maris Ayin is when the people making the mistake are justified for making the mistake. They see a merchitz that has your name on it. People don't usually rent out their merchitz. They're justified for thinking you're hiring a guy to work on Shabbos Isser. But if you're doing binyan bias, where it's 50% of the people do schiris, 50% of the people do kablanis, they have no right to assume you're doing something bias. It's just as possible you're doing it beheter. They're not entitled to make that mistake. Rabbeinu Tam holds its motor. Rabbeinu Tam only held as a problem in Marisayin when the mistake is a justified mistake. 
Tais disagrees and Tais says, no, as long as it's a normal thing, as long as it's a, as long as it's a possibility, people will assume it and it's usher. And that's the way we paskin. And that's called Malech's Mechubr. And this is the easiest application to, come to modern day. Every renovation, every building project. You have a, you're building a new house. You have to tell them to stop working on Shabbos. You have 